This podcast is sponsored by GCOR 15, RMA's Governance, Compliance, and Operational Risk Virtual Conference, June 7th to 10th. The conference will provide valuable content and peer sharing in today's complex environment with a stacked lineup of industry experts covering topics including culture, PPP litigation, climate risk, DEI, AI and machine learning, re-entry in the wake of the pandemic, and much more. For more information and to register, visit www.rmahq.org backslash G-C-O-R. Good morning. This is Ed Blount, and I am speaking to you from the Center for the Study of Financial Market Evolution here in Washington, D.C. And uh, I've been asked by my good friends at the Risk Management Association, RMA, Uh, just up the road in Philadelphia, to offer some thoughts, here's the quote, on how data-based models can be used to change the negative views of financial markets that are held by some bank customers and regulators, especially in the wake of the pandemic, Uh, close quote. So, interesting question. Um, I'm going to approach this in two parts. Uh, First, we'll talk a little bit about the nature of models uh, in response or in reaction to what I see as increasing regulatory and litigation risk following the pandemic. And uh, then as the second part, how to deal with those increased regulatory and litigation risks using precedents and uh, and some new technologies that are available. So uh, I think um, as a preamble here, the reason I've been asked to comment on this is that uh, over the last 10 years, I have been engaged as a testifying expert in uh, more than a dozen uh, either uh, uh, class action lawsuits or a variety of different civil litigation as well as regulatory enforcement actions with the Department of Labor and the Securities and Exchange Commission. Uh, In fact, I like to say that uh, I've testified before all three branches of the U.S. federal government. So that's the credentials part. Um, Now let's talk about models. Um, Negative views uh, are formed because someone has a belief that is based upon a structured proposition and a set of facts that are assumed to correspond with reality. Philosophers uh, call this the correspondence theory of truth. Uh, There's a very good description uh, on the Stanford University website, uh, their Encyclopedia of Philosophy, which is available free. And uh, I think it should be no surprise that in our modern world, we call these theories of truth models. And all financial modeling, in particular, relies on pattern recognition, as we were reminded in a recent RMA podcast. By the way, uh, there will be footnotes on the episode page for all the references that I bring up. I won't continually refer to them, but you'll be able to find them there. So if we're going to change a negative view of the financial markets, we have to employ a model that corresponds to a truth that is derived from a positive pattern of propositions and facts. And in the world of financial litigation, 
uh, we call that a rebuttal. So what is the greatest risk following the uh, pandemic? And I would, I would opine that it is the ambiguity and relative paucity of information available to defend against charges of breach of the public trust embodied within the sphere that is being popularly called ESG, environmental, social, and governmental. Now, we'll look at two models that are being proposed and that will cause some difficulty to banks and their customers over the next several years. Again, in my opinion, uh, I'm not going to cite the name of the academic paper that I'm going to use at the outset, but it'll be footnoted at the back. Uh, I often have to deal with academic papers in, uh, in my role as a defense expert for banks or asset managers. And often enough, these papers are cited by the plaintiff's attorneys that are bringing a charge of what amounts to malfeasance or uh, manipulation in some cases. In the, the case of the academic paper that we're going to use here as an example, um, charges were made that banks were aiding uh, index fund managers in neglecting their fiduciary duty to exercise their, their governance uh, obligations and privileges as portfolio owners of many securities by lending those securities out in order to gain additional income and improve their tracking error. Now, the response to that typically is based on policies. Policies were articulated and uh, included either in the documents creating the fund or the trust that underlies it. But unfortunately, a lot of the data that's being used is very limited and uh, lends itself really to challenging. The second uh, model that we'll talk about that's critical and that represents a risk, perhaps a significant risk, is one that's being used by the European regulators to, to energize uh, the European Parliament's call for a review of cross-border securities loans that are being used allegedly uh, to cheat the, in particular, German and Danish governments out of an estimated 50 billion in, uh, in otherwise entitled tax revenues. So these are serious charges. And again, each of them represents a potential charge of betrayal of the public trust which goes to the S within ESG, as well as the G. Now, there are strong challenges that can be brought against the structural propositions that are um, used in the models, both in the academic paper, as well as in the, the basis for the charges um, supporting the intrusion into the investment process that would be represented by an audit of a cross-border securities loan. Both of these, by the way, are addressing 
the field of securities finance, which uh, I'm sure uh, most of you would know as essential to the support of both the fixed income and equity markets in the modern global markets, because they provide most of the liquidity and price discovery functions through the, through supporting short sales, as well as the kind of hedging that most institutions engage in. So. How do we respond or how would a bank or an asset manager who's being challenged respond to those charges? Well, actually we have a precedent. Uh, Indeed, the RMA several years ago was tasked with the response to a series of academic papers that alleged in great detail and with a great deal of of quantitative support uh, assertedly that that hedge funds were borrowing shares in the securities, finance, and lending markets in order to gain control of the vote in a uh, in a in a annual general meeting, determining whether the the proposed corporate action, whether it's a tender, merger, uh, some other voluntary uh, action, was going to be approved by the shareholders. The argument was made by the academics at the time that based on the data that they had collected from one custodian and one prime broker, that spikes across the, uh, the excuse me the the um, proxy record date were being used to present evidence of a form that the hedge funds were moving before the record date in order to build up their positions. In fact, what we did is we accumulated, working with RMA and the the broker-dealer trade group, SIPMA, to collect uh, more than 800 million loan records, analyze them, uh, produce a white paper, and then turn the data uh, that was uh, anonymized and encrypted over to a team, another team of academics that studied the data and concluded that in fact, this was not evidence of manipulation, but rather it was evidence that customers of banks were recalling their loans in order to vote. So it was a positive outcome uh, from the spike. And that is the way that we responded. And I believe that's the best way to respond to arguments that are challenging the compliance of fund managers or banks with their stated policy goals that are articulated in the policy documents that form the foundation for the investment fund uh, or the uh, or the uh, strategies that are being used. Let's deal with the second one. So we don't take too much time here. Um, the second one is the ESMA uh, proposal to establish audits by the the national governments in the European Union. The uh, opportunity there is to use the technology that's been developed, distributed ledger technology, to respond to charges of complicity in, in avoiding and evading taxes due on withholding uh, for dividends, cross-border dividend payments. Unfortunately, the structure of the disclosures over the past several years has been such that only positions uh, really are being disclosed 
it is true that loans are being mined, loan data is being mined, but the objective was to identify leverage, and as a result of the leverage uh, objective, it was it is not easily possible, let's say, to construct the loan end-to-end mapping that would be required in order to demonstrate that lenders and borrowers are indeed engaged in benign trading activity, uh, and they're not manipulating the markets. But uh, it would be necessary to create an industry or recreate what we did before, which is to create a loan-level industry model that demonstrates that the lenders, asset managers, and their agents and the borrowers represented by the prime brokers are in fact complying with their disclosed policies. Now, that is potentially a big project, uh, but the technology exists. And in my opinion, it would be necessary, not only would be necessary to respond to regulatory charges, such as those being uh, posed by ESMA, uh, but also being available in a court to support a motion of summary dismissal in any complaint that was brought at least partly on the basis of the arguments that were embodied within the academic paper uh, that we described before. So these are different ways to approach a model. It's not a credit or market risk model. It's a litigation or regulatory risk model. There are similarities in that their structures uh, are both based on propositions and data, but the way that you approach it is not to try to forecast an outcome uh, or to absolutely destroy an opponent's arguments, but rather to recast whatever evidence that they think they've found, in this case, the spikes, in a positive view. That's the way you change someone's opinion. You're not going to be able to argue methodology with them. You're not going to be able, in most cases, to argue the facts because they're going to have a different interpretation. What you have to do is identify the common areas that you agree on. In the cases that I mentioned before, we both agreed that there were spikes. But what you had to do and what we did at the time and what should be done in the future is cast those spikes as evidence of a positive process compliance with stated policies. And that's what I have to say on that subject this morning. Thank you for listening, and uh, I hope everyone has a very good outcome from the end, hopefully, of the pandemic.